Welcome to the Becoming More Significant podcast. And this is all about helping you to become more visible, more credible, and ultimately more profitable by becoming more significant. And you have a smorgasbord of offerings to tap into. So over 50 wonderful podcast conversations with incredibly inspiring guests, each of whom are being truly significant in the world. And they're sharing wisdom and insights that helps them to continually have an ongoing impact in the world by being ever more significant. Then I have 10 Wisdom and Insights episodes where I have captured the golden nuggets from those conversations. And in each Wisdom and Insights episode, I share from either five or six episodes, the key learnings, the insights, and the practical actions that we can all take right now to become more significant in the world. And then my third offering is some snapshots of the learning that I have been doing over the last few years. I am a learning junkie. I'm constantly keyed into audiobooks, to podcasts, to TED Talks, to online courses, to mentoring. And I'm learning so much all the time that I'm sharing with my clients. And so I want to do that through the podcast platform as well. So I will be putting together very short, probably 15, 20 minute sessions on key learnings and again, key actions that can help us all to become more focused, tap into more of our potential and make a real and lasting difference in the world. So lots to choose from. And thank you so many of you for supporting the podcast over the last couple of years. It's been great to have you on board. And long may you continue to tap into the wisdom and gems of the Becoming More Significant podcast. Wherever you are today, I hope you're shining brightly. Have a great day. So I'm absolutely delighted today to have the fabulous Claire Alexander on the show. Welcome, Claire. Thank you so much, uh, Sylvia, for having me on your podcast. I'm completely delighted and honoured to be here. And where are you joining us from today, Claire? I'm actually in sunny Cape Town. Um, You can probably tell from my accent that I'm also from Scotland. I'm a Stirling girl, but I am in Cape Town right now, in lockdown, and it's probably not the worst place to be in the world for lockdown, but um, yeah, that's why the sun is shining through the window. (laughs) It's definitely not in Stirling. And it's January here, and it's been pouring all day, and it's grey, so a slightly envious, Claire. And you look really healthy. You've got a lovely glow of somebody that's been in the sun, which is fantastic. So... What are you focusing on right now, Claire? Just give us a little bit of a feel for what you're doing out in Cape Town. Yeah, sure. So I've been here for 14 years, Sylvia. Um, I do go back and forward to Scotland quite often, particularly now because I have two little ones. I've got a two and a half year old and I've got a four month old baby boy. 
Um, so as well as being a mum, um, a wifey to a South African called Bernard, um, I'm also a businesswoman. So I have two companies and I have two more community brands as well. So yeah, my, my plate is full, um, but it keeps me out of trouble. <laughs> <laughs> I don't believe that for a minute, actually, Claire. So tell us a little bit about your companies. What do they do? <clears throat> so my first company is called Firecracker Marketing and Events. Myself and my South African business partner, Nicola, started that from very humble beginnings, about two quid to be more specific. Uh, precise and um, we started that in 2012 so it's uh, a fairly established agency and um, so we offer event management which is now uh, going into virtual uh, marketing brand and digital services so we're essentially a creative agency and then with my other business hat I co-own an international business network called Africa Scotland Business Network. Wow amazing and Firecracker, why why that name for your events company? So it's actually, okay, I do have red hair, so that might be like <laughs> first giveaway. Um, but it's actually a nickname that a former boss in Cape Town uh, gave to me. Because I made things happen with little or no budget he's like oh you're such a firecracker for making that happen and it just kind of stuck you know I'm naturally quite a driven person um so I'll just I'll just get it done without too much thinking yes you've got to um apply strategy like deep thought to 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 business but action speaks louder than words and yeah so I'm a firecracker that gets things done. Brilliant. And have you always been like that? I mean, does this date back to being a child? Have you always been a can-do type of person or was it your upbringing? Where did it come from? Possibly, Sylvia. So I actually grew up in sport. Um, my mother was a, a fantastic champion swimmer. She swam down in London. Um, she was I think she was a top butterflyer in, in the whole of the UK at one point. So I probably took after her because <clears throat> by the time I was six years old, I was already training every day in the pool. And when you grew up in that environment, you know, you having a sports coach as a, as a mother, because my mum then started her own swimming club. And then I swam for my mum for eight years before I moved on to train at the, the city of Glasgow. So when you grow up in that environment, you you learn discipline, you learn the, the, the concept of competition and being the best that you can possibly be. And I believe that it's wired my brain in a certain way mm. because right through my youth, that is how, that's how I was conditioned, Sylvia. So I do think my upbringing has played a massive role in how I apply myself to, to my business life. And you rose quite high up in the swimming world, didn't you? Tell us a little bit about where your swimming took you to. Yeah, sure. So I was a 200 butterflyer, so, and I'm quite short. 
So I never had the height on my side. If you look at a typical swimmer, swimmer's body, they're quite tall, like very wide shoulders, and I'm just not that at all. <laughs> so I always worked really, really hard in the pool. I knew that I had to work harder than anyone else. Yes, I was a, a teenager, so I had my days where I'd be like full of nonsense and my coaches probably couldn't deal with me. Um but I qualified for the Scottish team when I was 14. And yeah, I mean, it was, an, it was a massive honour. I probably didn't um, realise that at the time, you know, when you're 14. Um, like, if I'd qualified when I was 24, I'd, I'd be a lot more aware mm. about you know, representing your country and what that means. When I was 14, I was just going with the flow. Um, I probably wasn't as conscious, which is probably, like, totally acceptable. Um, but, yeah, so I I kind of had this, like, crazy life in the pool, two to three hours, even four hours every single day. Actually, it was closer to four hours. Um so yeah, I swam at quite a high standard and um, that was actually cut, cut short by a, a near-death car crash uh, that I was in with my mother when I was 17. So I very quickly had to pick myself back up again and adapt myself into, into, a, new, <laughs> into a new way of life. Mm, yeah. And how did you cope with that? That must have been devastating, going from swimming for Scotland and training four hours a day to just being unable to do that. How did you get through that period? Yeah, so I come from a family and, you know, it's just the way I was brought up, um, you know, oh, just get on with things, which is totally fine. You know, it's got its place in life to to carry on um but at the time, I didn't actually stop to grieve or think about it or process it. I got myself out of hospital and I just moved on with life very quickly. Actually, as soon as I could walk properly again and run to the best of my ability at the time, I actually took up football and I joined Stirling Albion. <laughs> as you would after a major car crash, yes. <laughs> It was about a time that I was in hospital and I had to obviously like heal because I did have extensive injuries. But I just kind of like moved on and it actually hit me in my 20s. Like it actually came back to haunt me because like my brain hadn't dealt with that trauma. Right. So, yeah. So, But that was a great process in itself, Sylvia. It actually taught me that it's completely okay to talk to people and seek therapy and get help, use other people to help you get over challenges mm. so you can get to the next stage in life. So, mm. yeah, it was all, a, it was all a, a massive learning curve as a, as a young, young girl. And I think, you know, I'm generalising now, but, but being born and bred in Glasgow and spending, you know, the first 30 years of my life in Glasgow, I, I think the, the Scottish way is you just put a brave face on it and you get on with it. You know, you don't go to therapy. You know, that's for that's for sissies. You know, that's oh, for weak people. Really? You don't talk about it. You don't talk about how you feel. And it's quite a barrier to get over, isn't it? 
Yeah, I think I think it is changing now. You know, obviously, you know, I'm connected to Scotland really, really strongly through family and business. Um, and, you know, I have quite an academic, my sister is an academic at Strathclyde University. She's a lecturer. And she, in her role, she's always like sharing the latest, what's going on in Scotland, um, you know, how the culture is changing. Um, and I think it is becoming more acceptable in, in our society. But certainly when I was growing up, 80s, 90s, it was like, girl, you're alive, so you must be okay. <laughs> <laughs> actually, like a lot of people aren't, but yeah. it was never, you know, it was probably a sign of weakness. Mm. That's what we learned from our parents. So I think certainly my generation and the generation under me, I know they've got all these fancy names like Gen X and Gen Y, I think they are slowly unlearning um, what we've grown up with, particularly yeah. in Scotland, and are making it okay not to be okay. Mm, absolutely. And also I think all the... Um, the publicity is the wrong word, but all the talk about mental health and, and it's okay to talk, etc. That's really helping to open people up. And one of my first podcast guests was a chap called Dan Keeley, who suffers from bipolar and has started a movement which is called Are You Okay UK? And it's all about making it okay for people to talk and to share how they're feeling. And, you know, if, during the pandemic, of course, mental health has just gone through the roof because of isolation, etc. So, it's really good to see that happening. But one thing I wanted to ask you about, or another thing I wanted to ask you about, Claire, was um, you seem to show leadership qualities from very early on because you were a deputy head girl at school. So what did you do to merit that accolade? I think it was the speech that my dad helped me write. <laughs> <laughs> That's very honest. <laughs> speech. And, you know... That's also a significant moment because I actually applied to be the house captain because the house activities in my school um, at Alva Academy were mostly sports related. And I thought, well, you know, um, you know, as a prefect, I'll, that was after our car crash. So I thought, right, I'm really well positioned for this. But it wasn't until a girl in my class said to me, Claire, you should so apply for head girl. And it's amazing when other people tell you what you can be, mm. that you start living up to that. And I'll never forget that. I actually changed it on the application form. And I thought, okay, cool. Why not? Mm. And then I wrote this speech and I asked my dad to put like fancy words in it, like ethos, like we don't use that word in Sterling. Um, <laughs> and I still use that word quite a lot today, actually. So, yeah. And then I got I got selected deputy head girl with, you know, and the head girl was my first ever friend. We grew up next door to each other. She's still like a sister to me. So, yeah, we had a rare time in six Amazing. years. Amazing. And, you know, isn't that interesting that sometimes it takes somebody else to see those qualities in you before you go, oh, really? 
okay, well, I might do it then. And it's so important to get that affirmation because we all hear those voices in our heads going, oh, don't be daft. You, head girl, don't be silly. And and we that self-talk, you know, that negative self-talk, it just keeps us playing small, doesn't it? Absolutely, Sylvia. And it's quite interesting because when you start to believe something, your brain starts firing off um, signals. And the more you repeat those beliefs to yourself about what you what your potential is and what you can possibly do in this life, you actually start thinking it very naturally. And then, of course, you learn to turn that into an action, which is what counts in life. There's no value in a thought. But when you start acting on those thoughts, people can see it, you emit the energy. And it's amazing how that can actually redirect your life in a completely different way to start living more purposely or more significantly. Mm, mm. And have you got another example of that in your own life, Claire? where, you know, your thought became so positive and, and, and it's so ingrained in you that you thought, I can do this? Yeah. So it's happened twice. <clears throat> it's probably happened in sport as well. I still take part in sport, not competitively, but for the purposes of this podcast, I'm going to uh, home in on how I experienced that in business because I think there's probably a lot more people listening to this who are interested in turning their passion into a job because mm. everyone needs to earn money. And the first time that happened was when I redefined myself as an event manager. So I kind of blagged my way into the industry out of desperation for a job when I first moved to South Africa. Sorry, that's my that's my four-month-old son crying there. <laughs> but that's part of my life, my authentic life. Um, so I then gained quite a lot of industry experience in the events world. I then obviously started my business, events and marketing business with Nicola uh, called Firecracker. So I... I was doing quite well in events and then people, but that's only because people were said to me, Claire, you work so hard. You come up with cool concepts. You, you just do things differently. You're so good at bringing people together. Like lots of different people together to meet a common objective or for common good. Because yes. we were actually doing quite a lot of uh, NGO work in the first few years uh, with Firecracker, which was great. So I started telling myself, I'm one of the best. I'm one of the best. (laughs) And then I started behaving like that. And then I started talking like that. And you know what? Then industry press were tapping on my door for interviews. I changed the copy on our website and... I even won an award for, um, you know, my contribution to the event management industry in South Africa. So it's amazing how that, like, actually set me off on a new trajectory. Mm. And then it also happened again when I started to 
unfold and unravel like what am I actually here to do in life yes I've got this great company I work with great people we've got fantastic clients around us and we even attract fantastic clients um but I know that I'm not just here to produce events so what can I do that's more purpose-driven and more purpose-led and that's when the penny dropped that I'm here to build a really exciting and prosperous and healthy and ethical business network, essentially a community mm. across the world. So that's the two times that I've experienced uh, a, a change in direction. And yeah, they're Amazing. both going. <laughs> Wonderful. I love that. And what does significance mean to you? Because obviously that's what this podcast is all about. And people have got different interpretations of of significance. What does it mean to you, Claire? So as I said, uh, Sylvia, before this podcast, you know, significant isn't something that I use in my language, maybe because I'm femenstry. <laughs> but um, so it's something that I did ponder on quite for quite a while and I you know I actually asked uh, my followers to to actually give me their input and what it meant for them so the first thing is being a mother um I think that's the most significant role um you know I can have as a as a woman um and I'm very lucky to have two very healthy child children um one is like a complete mini me she's completely mad <laughs> she's totally wild but I'm not going to like break that down and then my son is more like my husband like very chilled and <laughs> so but for the purposes of this podcast again I'm going to talk about how I relate purpose to sig- significance to purpose mm. um, and I feel mostly significant when I'm living my purpose in the context of business and I've managed to apply my purpose into a job so for me that is how that is when I feel the most elevated it's when I feel most in flow that new term that's out there or I don't know if it's new but I came across it last year (laughs) when all these new kind of ideas and parad- the paradigm shift last year and all the change that happened. And I learned that I'm actually in flow when I'm feeling significant and working towards my purpose. Mm, lovely, lovely description there. Um, I just want to uh, interject for the benefit of our audience, just in case you wanted a translation for, uh, for Claire's description, Fremenstri. It's, it's not a medical term. It means she comes from a place in Scotland called Menstri. <laughs> <laughs> Yes, I just thought I'd better explain that because people will be getting in touch. What does Fremenstri mean, you know? (laughs) (laughs) So um, I'd like to talk to you a little bit about this uh, Africa-Scottish network because that's something that's truly significant. Can you tell me a little bit about the ethos behind that, you know, what and, and the purpose behind it? Why are you doing that? Just talk us through that a little bit. Yeah, sure. So there's a lot of networks out there. There's a lot of communities. There's a lot of chambers and associations. So we had to be different. 
And the way that we are different is basically in our approach and in our style. We're definitely a lot more contemporary. We um, have quite a young management, if I could say so myself. (laughs) (laughs) Um, All the directors are under 43. We're all women. And we just want to put something, we just want to build something that's refreshing, that's a lot more inclusive, particularly in an African context. So a lot of people make the assumption because of the brand Africa Scotland Business Network that we're a Scottish business club in Africa. And there's, it's, that's so far from, from what we actually are. We're actually an African-based business network first and foremost. And then the idea was to bridge the network directly and very meaningfully with the public and private sector in Scotland because no one was doing that. Mm. And yes, there's other like government chambers that exist here, but they weren't, they, they don't focus on Scotland. And I spotted that as an opportunity to not only build a really, really unique business network across Africa, but to actually bridge it and connect it with my home country And then I realised, as we were researching how we were going to do this, I realised that Africa and Scotland have so many deep connections in history and business. We have so many shared economies. And obviously, before we came into existence as a business network, yes, Scotland and Africa have been connecting for, for years um, I mean, the first missionaries that were here were, were from Scotland. Nelson Mandela's teachers were Scottish. Um, so we have a very, very deep-rooted um, culture and roots in Africa right now. And that's equally true for the African diaspora in Scotland. But I wanted to actually create a structure and a business and a platform that was a lot more tangible, that was a lot more visible on and offline, that people could join and funnel their interests, whether that's um, on an international business level or they just were looking for connections or advice. So we've built this platform that bridges the two and that's actually playing a role in bridging different African nations together as well, which is pretty cool. So that's what that's what I'm doing right now, and that's how we are doing it. And it's it must be doing something right, Sylvia, because after year one, we had a membership footprint in 10 countries, including Scotland, England, Dubai... Seven and seven African countries in uh, Africa, and right now we have seventy-five members. Um, you know, we've just opened up the office in the new the new year. Our pipeline is massive. <laughs> like we can't actually cope with, you know, doing the research on the businesses that want to come into the network because that's that's how we maintain standards. Sylvia, we 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 literally vet people that we don't know mm. to ensure that. Um, there's no like crazy people. <laughs> we live a little bit of crazy. That's cool. <laughs> yeah, so that's that's what that's what's uh, keeping us busy right now. 
Sounds incredibly exciting. And am I right in thinking that you had to, or you did, talk to Scottish government about this? Is that right? Yeah, so I, I think I did the honourable thing. You know, when the penny dropped and I realised that this is my purpose, this is what I'm meant to do, I'm meant to, like, build this community. And, you know, I'm not here to mess around. Like, I want to be the best in the world at this. This is like a space that I'd love to own. And and that's not from a position of being overconfident or arrogant. That's just knowing what you've got the potential to do. Mm. And if people see me doing that and unleashing my potential and what I've got to offer the world, then I hope to inspire other people who or maybe sitting on the fence right now and wondering, you know what, I can be the best in the world at X, Y, Z, but I just don't have the confidence to tip me over the, the edge. Mm. can do it. So when the penny dropped, I very quickly started researching, you know, and it wasn't just me, it took an enormous amount of research, researching what other people are doing, researching the ties between Scotland and Africa, And I just, like, sent an email. I didn't even know who I was writing to. I sent an email to Scottish government, and I actually got three responses back from different departments the next day. I was so impressed because in Africa, due respect to the African governments that we work with, but uh, right now for the network, but you don't get a response for the next day. So so big up uh, Scottish government for that one. I was so... Um, I was just elated. And one of the ladies was, uh, she heads up Scottish International Networks. Uh, Her name is Kate McKenna. She's totally fabulous. And she said, Claire, can you like come and meet me as soon as possible? And I thought, oh, no way. I'm in Cape Town. Let me just put a family visit on the agenda. (laughs) (laughs) So the next thing, I'm on the plane with my family and I met, like a few networks there. I met a few people who were currently involved in Scottish and African relations. And I met Kate and I thought, okay, I better take something with me to show that I'm really serious about this and that I'm here to make this a commercial activity. I'm here to um, do great things essentially Mm. So I put a PowerPoint together on the plane and I also gave her a bottle of South African red wine. (laughs) Good move. (laughs) And we had a brilliant chat and she said, look, I'm not like, I can't fund this. You know, if this is your business model, you need, if this is your business idea, you need to like go back to Africa and prove yourself. And I was like, no worries, Kate, like, you know, I'll keep you in the loop and I'll keep you in touch. And it was on that same visit that I actually connected with Scottish Business Network as well. Right. Mm-hmm. So that was how I started my relationship with Scottish government. And then I realised, then I was introduced to the Scottish government's office in Accra in Ghana. Um, and then I And then obviously it just kind of snowballed from there. So I'm currently working with Scottish Development International and Scottish Enterprise right now. Um, So I'm working with lots of different people from lots of different um, sectors 
um, from tech to energy to renewables. It's really great. Like they're, they've been absolutely brilliant to us. Amazing. Well, that's been truly significant, Claire. That's incredible. And and now the ability to bring those companies and those people together from, you know, all sides of the world, that must be so exciting. It's so brilliant, Sylvia. It's it's so rewarding. It totally fills my heart. And I know that might sound a little bit um, idyllic. No, not at all. But it really does. And it actually makes me... Um, it makes me even more driven to serve people, serve the businesses that like essentially pay to be in our network, mm. to serve them to the best of our ability. And they know, like all our members know, like we are here for you 24-7 if you need to, you know, obviously we offer a value system, an annual value system as part of the membership. We offer them connections in Africa access to business opportunities. But they also know on the flip side that, you know, we're here for them. Mm, mm, mm. So um, one other thing I wanted to talk to you about was this this movement that I know that you and your partner, Nicola, are involved in, uh, Illumi Nation. Can, can you just tell us a little bit about that? Because I think that's another really significant thing you're doing in the world right now. Yeah, sure. So that's an interesting one. And I'm not sure if anyone's like brought this up on a podcast, but for me, timing is an essential element in business. I mean, we've learned that there's so many businesses who are so ahead of their time that they don't actually exist anymore. And illumination kind of has that sentiment to it. So let me explain that. So we we always knew that there was an opportunity in the South African business place to create a, an amazing, inspiring brand that played into the gender space. Now, me and my business partner are obviously female, and there's no beating around the bush. Like the entrenched systems out there, the capitalist systems, government systems, they're all formed and still very much controlled by men. So my philosophy in life is, well, instead of like complaining about that, instead of like firing off, um, you know, posts on social media about how terrible this is, why don't, and, and maybe let me retract the word terrible, it is the way it is, but it can have terrible um, consequences mm. for women trying to burst into the entrepreneurial space. I know how hard it is. I ended up, you know, six months after starting Firecracker, I ended up living in my car just to get by. And yes, I know that a lot of men have to experience that as well, but it is more harder for a woman to break into these these structures. So that's how Illumination came about. So Nicola had this, um, you know, it's like, oh, what are we going to call it? We didn't want to have the word gender in it. Mm. We wanted it to be properly branded, something that we're really good at. So Nicola had this brainwave, like three o'clock in the morning. Let's call it Illumination, as in lighten up the nation. So that's why if you go onto our website, 
weareillumination.co.za, you'll see that our brand is really, really colourful mm. and it plays into like the African sunset, etc. Now, we had to launch this event in, or this platform in a very, very inclusive way that also appealed to men. So we were very, very cautious about how we spoke about gender because we didn't want to scare away men. And a lot of the time, and we did our research on this as well, you know, we just put some focus group together. The the minute you start talking about gender, like men run the other way. Mm. We had to like redefine how we actually spoke about trying to solve uh, gender problems in society. So we put an event together and we designed it in a way that was actually a very comfortable, bright and harmonious setup. And 25% of the audience were were men that, that came and we made the format you know, you have to you have to have a hook to get something off the ground. Sure. And we didn't have any marketing budget. So we decided to bring together a diverse panel of South African um, celebrities who had something to say about gender. And we made sure that two um, out of the four panelists were male as well. And we gave the audience... We opened the floor up, Sylvia. We gave the audience um, free reign to get the diet, share their experiences as a mechanism to creating solutions. So we actually recorded the whole dialogue over the course of an hour and a half. And what emerged was that women and men actually want to work together, Mm. especially the younger people, but... They might not know how to say the right thing to a younger woman or they might not know how to um, deal with working as, you know, one guy, for example, in a room full of women or whatever, whatever their situations were. And people actually want equality, Mm. which is fantastic. Um, Now, most of our audience was uh, under 45 And that's something that I also emphasize in business. Make sure you're talking to young people because then your business business has got more chance at longevity. Mm. You need young people on your side. So once we held the first event, we got sponsorship for it to put, you know, to pay for the the event um, design and the production. Uh, We did it to quite a high standard. And then we took the conversation onto social media with the view that we would be running another event in Johannesburg, maybe moving up into uh, African nations. And then about six weeks later, that's when my penny dropped to start the business network. Uh (laughs) And literally two months after we did the illumination event and got this beautiful, vibrant platform off the ground, I said to Nicola, we have got to launch Africa Scotland business during Africa Oil and Gas Week in November because Scottish government is here, the heavyweights in Scottish business are here, the heavyweights in Africa business are here, all the governments are here in Cape Town, we need to strike now and 
Illumination has been completely social, like as in on social media ever since. However, we feel that the time is right now that the uh, network is off the ground. Um, you know, we've worked so considerably hard to get that network off the ground in a year. We're in a space where we can actually get illumination working again. And uh, I love your podcast to help us with that. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure it will, Claire. How could people help you? What are you looking? What are you looking for? What would really help you to get this off the ground? So people that take an interest in the space. So myself and Nicola are not gender experts. We just know how to create a community. That's what we do. We've, we've built a community with Firecracker. We've obviously built an international network. We've got the community going online and it's very much people who are waiting on us, giving them instruction. Plus we have our own life experiences that we can bring to the table, but that's not enough. Like to get something going, you need, you need experts to mm. bring it together and to help understand what, where you're going as a business, how far you can take it, who needs to be involved. So we're probably looking for, you know, experts in the space to get involved with us, people who carry a lot of influence, who are passionate about reducing the, the inequality gap, particularly for young South African women, and to ch start changing the narrative and how men and women talk about each other. Um, you know, as I carry a bit of privilege on my side, Sylvia. You know, I grew up in a relatively gender equal country where I was given access to opportunities, the same access to opportunities as men, mm. through schooling, through sport, through going to university, thanks to the Scottish government. In South Africa, women don't have that. They don't have free and open access to um, extend their studies, for example, at universities. That's completely paid for. It's harder to break into the even more patriarchal and very entrenched systems that is a, a little bit of a, a hangover state from apartheid. Mm. And, you know, South Africa still unraveling itself and it's still finding itself and if we can be helpful through this really cool brand that people clearly resonate with but we need help to we need help to do it we can't just do it as two two women on our own Yes, but, you know, as a firecracker or as, as two firecrackers, you've set this up, you've, st you've set the ball rolling, and now we just need to pull people in, as you say, experts that can help in all that, on all those aspects, understanding how to help people get more equality, how to support them, how to provide education um, and, and all the advice that they need. So, you know, if anybody's listening in and you've been inspired and how could you not be in inspired by Claire? then do get in touch. And how do they do that, Claire? How do they contact you? Sure. So I think I've got like 40,000 email addresses now. But if you want to get in touch with um, our, through our website at Illumination, 
The website is www.weareillumination.co.za. We're also across all the socials, Facebook page, uh, our Instagram uh, pages. I think it's We Are Illumination. Uh, I don't actually run it. Our, our general manager does. But the icon is yellow and it's got red font. So please do check us out and get in touch. It's quite outstanding. And what I'll do is um, I'll put all the links in the show notes so that our listeners can actually find you and get in touch. Claire, it's been an absolute pleasure listening to you and, and hearing just how significant you are being in the world. And I know this is just the tip of the iceberg. You're going to do amazing things or amazing things are going to happen through you and through Nicola and through your community. Have you got one last thought, one last insight you could just leave with our listeners? Yeah, so I'm a big believer in action. So for me, how I made sure that I acted on all my dreams was to write things down, what I wanted in life, and stick it up in front of you. You can see like my office is just, it's just like piece of paper everywhere. But it means that it's constantly in front of my my brain to make mm. sure I'm acting on my dreams, essentially. So write that down and start working on it every single day until you're doing it. Thank you so much for joining me today on the Becoming More Significant podcast. And I really hope that you've taken away some practical steps to take right now to help you unlock more of that hidden potential that we are all only scratching the surface of. If you would like to discuss how I might be able to support you in your journey into greater significance, please get in touch. It's calendly.com forward slash Sylvia Baldock for a no obligation free initial coaching call to find out how together we can make sure that the coming weeks and months are your most significant ever. Take care.